This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, it's Addictive Eaters Anonymous On Air. Welcome to Addictive Eaters Anonymous on Air, here on Plains FM. My name's Louise and I'm an addictive eater and the host of this show. This is an opportunity to share with you about how Addictive Eaters Anonymous works and to talk with an addictive eater who will share their experience of recovery from addictive eating. Well, how does AEA work? Sobriety in AEA is freedom from addictive eating and or mind-altering substances. AEA members achieve sobriety by sharing their experience, strength and hope with each other and living the 12-step program of recovery as a way of life by regular attendance at meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, keeping in contact with sober members and carrying the message of recovery. Members are freed from addictive eating and the obsession with food. At the heart of the AEA program is the spiritual concept of surrender. I've got Robin with me today, who's going to share some of her story of continuing recovery from food addiction. And I'm just thinking, Robin, what what to you sort of is a little nugget from your story that would really kind of illustrate what life was like in the food for you. Hello Louise. Yes. Definitely I can I can have visions of seeing me as a child at school. Lived not far from the primary school down um, south where I came from and was able to uh, walk to school and yeah there were times when I had this thing about going home for morning tea. Now I would be probably what I would class as perhaps 12 or 13, maybe a wee bit younger, and mum would have morning tea ready for me. On the table there would be a wee plate of goodies and Milo, and I would say to the teacher, the head, head teacher, that you know I had to go home. And so I started doing this every day. I don't know why I started, and I don't know for how long it went on for, but I used to go home at 10 o'clock every morning at school when it was playtime, we called it playtime, and I would have morning tea. Now, I thought that was just quite normal, you know, a normal day, a normal thing that people would do. Because we walked to school, I walked with my um, siblings, we walked to school and then I came home for lunch and so lunch was always on the table and I was able to eat more than probably just the normal person. And then I'd be home for afternoon tea and, you know, we'd finish school at three o'clock and come home, have afternoon tea, and there would always be the home baking, 
everything done, that, which I didn't want, because really basically all I wanted was a bought biscuit. Oh, funny, aren't we? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had an orchard, and I hated those apples. I wanted a bought apple. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, it would be tea time. And I never saw anything wrong with that until I came you know, into the 12-step fellowship. I just thought that that was quite normal. And there was so much going on in my head that I never talked to anybody about that I didn't know any different. And so you spent quite a lot of your bringing up your children and you know, those sort of years in the food and in the depths of your addiction. And, you know, it sounds like it wasn't an easy time for you no, no, it 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 was mad. Mm. That's what I call it. I said it was the madness that um, that brought me in. I believe there was the weight. Definitely, there was definitely the weight. I was a yo-yo dieter and uh, forever been on a diet. And I always thought that when I got thin, I would be fine. And so that was my main goal every day. And and it was always not to um, eat on that day, but the, the madness in my head would be there as soon as I opened my eyes. And because I was a um, mad person, driven, I would spend many hours awake. And, you know, at night time, I would be cleaning and, you know, smoking, drinking, eating, and then I'd go to bed and everything would be perfect. And then I would get up in the morning and I could do it all over again. But I would be fighting that battle in my head not to. When I went to make the children's lunch, I would, you know, don't have that slice, that slither, I called it. I would slice off a piece of cake or something and I would eat it. And then I'd think, well, that's it. I've had enough. You know, that's it for today. I'll diet tomorrow. And so, yeah, and I was always on a diet. And I believe today I put my kids through hell. You know, there were days, one particular day was my birthday and they forgot it. They never forgot after that, I can assure you. But they (laughs) forgot that it was my birthday and I cooked this wonderful meal, you know, great birthday meal because I was a good cook and, you know, Pablo, the, the whole works, but I wouldn't eat it because I'd forgotten my birthday. And I thought, no, and I was on a diet. So, you know, my intention was to eat it. And I believe I did eat it, but when nobody was watching, you know, after everybody had gone, but they paid the price. And so, Robin, did you see that that kind of controlling, like the, the um, housework and the, you know, the cleaning and, and the up late sort of smoking and all of that, did, did, you, did you ever think to yourself, oh, you know, am I an addict? Or was that a thought that crossed your mind, even with the food? Did you ever sort of think, I've got a problem with food? No, no, I didn't. I didn't know anything like that. Mm. Um, I never heard of anything to do except for Weight Watchers. Uh, there was Weight Watchers and there was that was it. There was just Weight Watchers. That's about the only thing that I'd ever heard that you could, and that's what I went to. I went to the official Weight Watchers, but I never, I never really said. I knew in probably in the back of my mind that it, what I was doing was perhaps not normal. So. Another day I can think of it was that I had um, an operation on my um, hands and I had carpal tunnel and they, they did 
both hands at the same time. So I found it rather difficult to eat, you know. So I had this drink and it had a straw in it. But I can also see myself going to the freezer and I'd found chocolate buttons that I was going to make for the children for Easter eggs. And so discovered the chocolate buttons. So I thought, oh, I'll have a couple of those. So I took a couple out of the bag out of the freezer and then I sat down and I ate them. And then about two minutes later, I thought, oh, I'll have some more of them. So I went to the freezer again. So I kept doing this until the chocolate buttons were finished. And I do remember thinking, why didn't you just get the whole bag and sit down and have it? But I never thought there's something terribly wrong here. And it would be like the same with a packet of biscuits. You know, I'm just going to have one. And, and so I'd have one and then I'd go back and get another one. And then I, I remember thinking, why didn't I just eat them all? But I never, ever, I'd never heard of addiction. I, I, I knew that, as I say, with my smoking, I started smoking when I was about 10 as a child, and I started drinking very early. But I knew that when I had one, I had to have the next one, but I didn't know why. No, had no idea. And so obviously that was difficult. So your life sort of went along those lines. What happened then that made you say, you know, I need to look beyond Weight Watchers, I need to look for something else? I guess it was just that, what I say, that madness in my head. I gave up smoking long before I gave up the food and um, the drinking because uh, my husband forgot to buy them for me. And so his punishment was, well... I seen it as that way because I was a very controlling person and he said to me he said he would go down to the shop and get more we lived out of um, out of Edendale out of the town and I said no and I had my last two cigarettes and I basically yeah I, they paid the price verbally you know it wasn't good what came out of my mouth at times and so I used to go to bed at night and I used to think well I haven't had a cigarette today and so I don't want to have one tomorrow. But I realised that people said, you know, that you would you would eat. And, and I was determined not to do that. So I did everything, you know. The, the poor family, but they'd hardly finished their meal and I'd cleared the table and done the dishes and I was knitting and I was just keeping my hands busy. And then, of course, I did put on weight and, uh, and I hopped on the scales and it mortified me to see what weight I had put on because I didn't see myself as eating I just I didn't and so the scales got hidden because out of sight out of mind if you don't hop on them but yeah so it wasn't until we moved up here to Christchurch that I started looking for something else because of what was going on in my head Mm. the madness I call it the madness Mm. you know it was obviously the obsession because it got worse Mm. And so that, that giving up smoking, but the eating getting worse, you see that now as addiction swapping from one substance to another, or you just see that you just have addiction and it can just manifest in so many ways? I see it both, yeah, definitely going from one to the other. I see that today, and, and, and I've always had it, and I never ever thought I would give up smoking. Never, because I loved them. But I saw myself as not having a cigarette until 10.30 in the morning, but then by the time I'd finished, I was having them at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. You know, I was having to have it. And that's what it was like, you know, with the food and, you know, with the alcohol. I would fight the battle of not doing it, but then once I started, 
and basically I couldn't stop until I dropped, you know, so I had that battle of trying not to do it through the day, which was very tiring, yeah, and so I see it as, yeah, just all addiction. So you you had binges in a way, like you would you would be alone in the house and you would start to eat. Would you consciously think, oh, I'm going to have a binge? No, mm. you, you had what you described as this thinking where I'll just have one or two. Yeah. Definitely. So you, you never thought, I'm going to have a big food binge now? Not really, but I can see now I was a great television watcher and I used to lose myself in fantasy young in the restless days of their lives and um, I would um, watch the young and the restless at 12 o'clock and there would be days when I would deliberately make chocolate sauce hot chocolate sauce with um, two liters of ice cream and either fruit salad or banana and that would be it I would sit down for an hour and that's what I would do so but other times I didn't really it was just the way it was just the way it was yeah so you came into a 12-step food fellowship and so was it all instantly that you had that amazing transformation and no longer had to eat like you'd been eating or was that something that took time it took time I um I read about it it was a sort of a cycle of how I got there in the beginning. I'd read about it in the paper. Um, I had someone talk to me on the phone about it and then she suggested I talk to someone else. Couldn't get them on that person on the phone and I eventually did. And I um, had her come round and she shared her story with me and she took me to a meeting the following week and I went to that meeting, my first meeting, and it was, um, I felt hope, I heard, I just heard what people had been doing, you know, with the food, and I thought these were all the things that I hadn't been doing, I hadn't been telling anybody, it was the secrecy that I had, and I kept coming to the meeting, but I didn't stop eating straight away, I realise that now, it was a few weeks down the track, you know, I started, I started having you know, three meals a day because I didn't know anything else and I didn't ask and then I gradually, yeah, went back to eating but it was the day came when the madness became worse in my head. It wasn't a bad day eating but it was definitely that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I picked up the phone and asked for help. Mm. So that, that seems to be the key, doesn't it? That, that surrender really in a way until you admit that you can't do it, mm. then it's, it's, you know, difficult. Yeah, and that was a hard one because I am capable of doing anything yes, I thought. Yes. And I would never ask for help because mm. that meant that I didn't know. Yes. Mm. And, and, you know, I thought I knew everything about Weight Watchers because I'd been going for so many years. And uh, so I thought, you know, I know all about weighing and measuring food and calories and all that, but I didn't. You know, how much is two slices of bread? Well, in my mind, on a particular day, it could be just one loaf cut in half, you know, and how how big is a plate? Is it is it a you know a meat serving plate? Definitely, I could I could justify anything when it came to the food. So almost like we have sort of wonky perceptions of sort of portion size and yeah, yes. Hmm. So you came in, you found yourself a sponsor. Was that something that was a, 
a lot of decision making or did you sort of know quite quickly who was going to be the person who could help you? No, it wasn't. It was, you know, when I went to the meetings, I just got told, keep coming back, uh, keep coming back and don't pick up the first one and get to a meeting. And I didn't understand any of that because, you know, I was one that wanted clear direction. I wanted... I basically wanted to be told what to do, but I don't like being told what to do because of, you know, my personality. But I heard, you know, you need to get a sponsor and you need to start working the steps. And I thought, well, what's a sponsor? What is this sponsor? Never use those words. There was a lot of words that I'd never used. I always say it's my background, you know, my country upbringing. And so someone said eventually when I plucked up the courage and asked, someone said, it's someone that you could relate to with this story, it's someone that's got recovery, that's working the steps, and that's getting well, well, and what's well, you know, I thought you're either sick or you're well. So that's what I sat there and sort of looked at, but I didn't go along to meetings thinking, oh, I wonder if she's the one or if this is it. But eventually, when it came, that surrender like I just talked about when it got bad enough I picked up the phone and I rang this person and I asked for help because I believe I needed someone that I couldn't manipulate because I could I could do that I could justify anything I needed somebody that you know that was tough and and but also working the program also she had what I wanted and that wasn't the love of classical music because I wasn't like that you know, I'm totally different, different ways, but I wanted what she had in the program. I wanted that peace and serenity that I saw that she had. And she'd had a few years up and she was talking what I wanted to hear. Yes, because, you know, when I think of your sharing and you talk about the radio stations in the head, the madness in the head, Mm -hmm. would you say that's been just a huge, huge change for you from then till now? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, I can... um, yeah, I can still have them. I can still have this going on in the head. But it's certainly, you know, the freedom today to get up and think of not my breakfast, but I do think of my breakfast. I have my breakfast. But, you know, to be able to sit down and have my breakfast and to think of life, you know, and, um, you know, you'd you'd be told, you know, just to help someone else. Well, I used to think, well, what's that going to do for me? You know, but today I can think of, you know, helping someone else and uh, perhaps talking and being nice to, like, the lady that walked past my gate today with her wee dog, which I see quite often, and and I can stop and chat. Those sort of things, instead of being focused on what I'm doing. Yeah, that's lovely to hear about because that self-centeredness, of course, is such a hallmark of our disease. And, Mm. you know, I love hearing those stories about that, you know, reconnecting with with people, uh, you know, around and about. So it's all, it all comes from sobriety, from the food, and it just gets better. Oh, definitely. My life, um, I've heard uh, another member share about having two lives. Well, I feel like I've had three because I've had a life of eating, uh, living down south. And then I've had a life in Christchurch where I didn't want to move to, and but I've had a life in recovery. And then I've had a life of being divorced and living on my own. But also I've had 
family members live with me and I just I just can't believe that today I look at today and I think I just can't believe that I am where I am and it was all because I'm not eating today you know I don't wake up with that oh my god obsession and how am I going to get the food I can go out I can you know be go out socially and talk to people like I went to the movies last night with um, a friend and I didn't have to eat chocolate peanuts. Now, I always ate chocolate peanuts when I went to the movies. M- my ex-husband used to say to me, why do you do that? Why do you eat them before you get into the movies? And I didn't know what he was talking about, but obviously I was doing that and he observed it. And and I just looked at him as if to say, well, just be quiet, will you? you know, and that's what he used to do. And coming home from the movies, always had to get a hamburger and chips. But I didn't do that last night. Drove through the city, what a beautiful evening, came home and went to bed. And to me, that's amazing. Absolutely, Mm. absolutely. Now I have to ask you about spirituality (laughs) because I know that you weren't keen on anything that might look like a spiritual program, but tell me how that worked out. Well, yes, my idea was that nobody was going to preach God to me. I won't use the word that I I think about. (laughs) I was always a non-believer in God. I blame God for everything. But deep down in my wee toenail, I say, there was always something there that made me think, well, there's got to be something out there that gets me up in the morning, that just, you know, makes me do the things that I needed to do to be a mother and I was working but you know I never believed that um, in God and never went to church and I very much was against anybody that said that they were a Catholic because I just I just believed that they they didn't practice what they preached and so I was very vocal in that area and my sister became a Catholic and you know my brother-in-law had Things He said things that I understood the further down the track I became in this fellowship. And so one day I heard at a meeting that it was about, a, it's a spiritual program, not a religious program, because I think if somebody said to me, well, they did at the very, very start where I was working, this um, woman said to me, I think you'll find it's religion. And I did wipe it. I've remembered about that. And I did wipe it for another few weeks until the madness got more. And that's when I picked up the phone and rang and but I believe today because I, I didn't know what spiritual was I didn't know what it meant and that was another thing I wouldn't ask because I thought I knew everything but I found out today that you know the difference between spiritual and religion and I don't have to go to church but I do have a higher power I came to believe in their higher power because I went from eating to not eating and that happened like overnight and it, I believe it was the surrender and I just can't, I can't believe that, you know. So today I have a higher power. I got a feeling once that it was going to be all right, that everything was going to be all right. And I've never had that because, you know, my sponsor who I wanted that faith that I heard in her voice at different times when things weren't good and she'd say, just for today, Robin, just for today, you've got this, this and this and that's okay. And when it was about a job that I was working at and I didn't like it and she said well just for today she said there will be another job out there for you and the same when we went to buy a house she said there will be a house out there for you and it was like that's faith to me and that faith has to be beyond and bigger than me so I've come to believe 
Um, that's what I seen in step two. I, I came to believe in God, well, in a higher pair that I choose to call God today, but I don't have to go to church. But it doesn't stop me if I want to. Mm. That's, that's lovely, mm. Robin. Thank you. And I suppose if there's someone out there who's unable to stop eating and they've got that madness in the head and that controllingness in their life and they're feeling like they're getting to the point where they need to do something, what would you say? I suggest that they come to a meeting. Definitely come to a meeting. And and I was a very closed-minded person. You know, my way was the only way. And I guess today it was my higher power that drove me there because one uh, uh, another member said when I came in she believed she never came through the door alone and I just mocked her and thought well of course not somebody bought me but I believe that today because I had no intentions of one moving to Christchurch and within a couple of months finding a 12-step fellowship that I'd never heard of and admitting that you know I'm a I'm an overeater and I need to, you know, look at my eating. I would never have believed that, but I believe today that my mind opened just that crack, like it says in the big book, and um, was open to the suggestion that maybe this is, that there's an answer here. And I'm very grateful for that today because I know what I am and I know what I have to do. So my suggestion is just come along to a meeting and if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. It's been wonderful, Robin. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed hearing this story. Thank you, Louise. Thank you. If you have heard anything today which you've related to or would like to know more about us, please go to our website, www.aeanz.org. There are three meetings a week in Christchurch, as well as a monthly worldwide meeting on Zoom. A podcast of our show will be available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Our show goes out on the fourth Monday of each month at midday. Thank you for listening, and I trust you go well. Until we catch up next month on Addictive Eaters Anonymous on air, Plains FM 96.9.